0: Welcome to episode number 172 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, and today we are speaking with Paul Doherty, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Accenture. And I want to say thank you to Accenture for presenting this show. And I also want to give a special shout out to Livestream because they are our video supplier, infrastructure supplier, and they are fantastic. So, we're going to be talking about the intersection of technology, culture, and digital transformation. Paul, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Michael.
0: Hey, it's so great for you to be here. Uh, Paul, tell us about Accenture and tell us about your role as Chief Technology Officer.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and the topics you, you mentioned, you talk about tech culture and digital transformation, and those are just you know, great topics for, for uh, you know, that define a lot of what we're doing at Accenture. So it's a great uh, great lead and a great set of topics for the for the day. So Accenture, I assume most people know something about Accenture, but just to give you the, the real quick story, we're a company of about, you know, with about 32 billion dollars in annual revenue uh, approaching, it's a, uh, somewhere on the order of 390,000 people moving toward 400,000 people. And our business is really about bringing you know, technology and innovation to businesses and helping businesses achieve their digital transformations by applying the range of services that we have. So that's what we're all about, which is why I think this is such a, a great topic that you've teed up here. Uh, Michael, my role at the company is uh, part of our global management committee, working for our, our CEO Pierre Nanterme, Uh Leading, uh, re- really, you know, ask Pierre what he what, uh, what my objectives are. It's really to look at where we're positioning Accenture and where we're taking it, you know, a few years from now, to make sure that what we're doing and the services we provide are as relevant and even more relevant uh, with tomorrow's technologies than they are with today's. So, to accomplish that as CTO. I have a range of responsibilities, starting with our research and development, our Accenture Technology Labs, and uh, areas like our uh, strategic uh, minority investment program, where we invest in, in uh, some of the, the smaller companies that we believe are future leaders. Uh, I'm also responsible for our overall technology alliances and partnerships with all the you know the companies you'd expect us to be partnering with, as uh, you know the tr- traditional leading you know industry leaders we've worked with, as well as the the new emerging companies. And uh, and also responsible for um, uh, for our uh, emerging technology and, and you know, businesses, the smaller businesses that we're incubating around new technologies such as you know you know wearable technology, or virtual reality, and things like that. So that's uh, that's what I'm up to.
0: So Paul, Accenture is a 31 billion dollar company. You're growing at 10 percent a year. You are a Services, a professional services company, and yet technology is a core part of what you're doing, especially or including advanced technology. So, so maybe tell us about that intersection.
1: Yeah, I mean, te- and the way I think about Accenture is, you know, Accenture really exists at the intersection of technology and business. You know, and I think what you know the D- the DNA of our company is around you know, it's, think of it as that that double helix of you know, twisting together you know, the, the technology and business impact, and help and you know, bringing business-relevant you know, technology innovation to our clients. So that's really, you know, that's really what we're all about. So and, and technology really runs through our whole business. So if you look at the five businesses of Accenture, uh, we start with Accenture Strategy, but our focus on strategy. If you if you you know kind of follow Accenture, it's around you know, it's around uh, the intersection of of strategy. And, uh, uh, of a strategy and technology and business is what we're focused on in strategy. We have a consulting business that's very focused around management and technology consulting and applying these sort of, you know, uh, these sort of uh, transformations into our our businesses with an industry context. We have Accenture Digital, which is all about the digital set of technologies, uh, that's transforming business. Uh, Accenture Technology itself, which is you know the delir- you know delivery of the you know the new and uh, the new technology as well as all the the technology we deployed to customers. Then we have Accenture Operations where we have kind of the, the full stack of operations capability from infrastructure through business process again powered by technology. So technology really is is the common thread that runs through our whole business. And Accenture, you know, being a leader. In you know technology and being ahead in technology is what allows us to you know, to stay ahead in growing you know growing market share and growing our business as you described.
0: Now, digital transformation, of course, is an important part of what you're engaged with with clients. But at the same time, Accenture is part of this digital transformation environment itself. You're subject to what's going on in the, in the world, and so. When you think about digital transformation as applied to your own company to Accenture, what are some of the implications and how do you, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's something we, we think about a lot because every you know digital you know, we're in the era, the era of digital transformation. that's the defining change that's, uh, that's happening in, in business right now. And you see it, uh, you see it in every industry in every part of the world. And, uh, you know, we recognized this several years ago in 2013, uh, we came out with a technology vision that talked about the fact that every business is a digital business. And at the time, I remember that being provocative. I'd go into a lot of clients and they'd say, nah, you know, we're not a digital business. We manufacture, we do whatever we do. And it was was provocative at the time, but it became an accepted idea. And we we saw that coming since starting back then we we we, uh, we started making some changes in our business so we created Accenture digital that i talked about a minute ago we created a different sort of strategy practice fusing together the digital strategy and the technology with it made a number of other changes in our business to position ourselves for the digital you know the, the digital transformation and that's why we've um if i look at our results uh, you know the public results that we talk about we we recently uh, talked about our business. Uh, you know, we talked about rotation to the new rotation to digital, cloud, and cyber, and the new technologies. And we announced that 40% of our revenues, so 40% of our business, is in that new set of technology. And that part, and that business is growing, you know, well over 20% a year. And so, you know, if you look at that, you know, what you what you see happening is, um, is uh, you know, I think the fact that we've been early in making these transformations to our businesses has allowed us to do well in the market gain some market share bring the right relevant services to our clients to, as they're in this era of needing a lot of a lot of help to make sure we're we're, we're providing the services and um, you know and that's uh, you know I think that's uh, that's what, what we're all about and really this era, this idea of digital transformation and continuing to drive the transformation of our own business uh, along with the, being the leader in you know driving those transformations for our clients is really what we think about all the time
0: so your business uh, has been changing through the adoption of enabling technologies as well as I'm assuming changes to processes, changes to how you relate to your clients. Can you describe the the intersection again of, of the, the technology as an enabler and the implications for the business and how Accenture people work and how you're organized and and so forth.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the, Like you said, the technology is an enabler and the catalyst. And we're in this period of, of amazing technology change. And you know, it's it's an exponent. It's a time of exponential change and growth, which is hard for for a lot of us to even comprehend. And um, and we're at the early stages of this. So for all the amazing innovations and gadgets and and, and big you know big in- business innovations we see every day and every week, uh, it's the early days and we're going to, over the next five and 10 years, see an amazing array of new innovations that are going to transform the landscape uh, for companies. But the challenge is, you know, one of the things we talked about in our vision is is there's already too much innovation available for companies. Most companies have far more, you know, there's far more, you have far more technology at their disposal than they have the ability to digest and deploy the technology. So we talk about this idea of the of, uh, digital culture shock where many of we see many companies stuck, you know, saying, you know, stuck between their legacies, stuck with some cultural changes, stuck with, you know, un- uncertainty around how to innovate, and that's what we're trying to address: is how do we how do we unlock this you know, digital culture shock, and help clients with really the te- technology adoption um, you know, capabilities so that they can take advantage of the innovation that's there, and that's where the, the broader set of services that that Accenture has come into play. So we. We have this, this strategy, you know, group that can work with our clients on understanding digital and what's happening. And if you're in the industrial equipment business, should you become a two-sided B2B platform and change your business model, and move away from a product-oriented business model into a platform-based services model? That's a, you know, there's big questions like that that will shape the futures of companies and shape, you know, winners and losers in the future. That's in strategy. Consulting, it's about what you said around process transformation. There's an opportunity in front of us now and in front of every company. Uh, that that we haven 't seen since the nineties to really reshape and re-engineer the way the company does business based on the avail- you know, the availability of of data and machine you know, machine learning machine intelligence et cetera wrapped into business processes and the, you know the ability for us to deploy consulting people who understand different industries and business processes and can lead that change through clients and and come equipped with the data sets and the tools and the data science to do it is 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 really what 's part of that business. Uh, you know our technology business is about deploying solutions, uh, you know bringing in to deploy solutions using agile new techniques, DevOps continuous integration, delivering in new ways we call it liquid IT in addition to you know the traditional delivery that's that's important for you know for many types of problems our clients have. And then operations is, you know, is operating business on a continual basis for clients with with digital and our digital you know services kind of wrapping around all of that. so that's a little bit more on how the, the business works and addressing your question.
0: Paul, we have a question from Bilal Zaidi, and I hope I've pronounced your name correctly, and if I haven't, Bilal, I apologize. And Bilal says, well, many companies know that they need to change, but they're unsure what to do. So can you offer advice on companies who recognize these changes, but they're just not sure what to do next?
1: Yeah, that's a great question a great uh Great point. And the um, uh, just a prelude to the answer, the to back up Bilal's point, uh, we uh, we did a survey uh, last year with the World Economic Forum, uh, along with some work we're doing for the forum in, in in digital transformation, and the survey came out with results that said um, uh, nine out of t- you know eighty seven percent, so roughly nine out of ten executives believed that the digital technologies that were coming would disrupt their company within five years. So nine out of ten are saying this is going to disrupt. Their companies within five years, striking you know high number. Uh, only seven percent, less than one in ten, said they had the roadmap and understood what to do. I and mean, that's just a striking dichotomy uh, that we see with people understanding the nature of the change and disruption, but being uncertain about the roadmaps. So I think that that data kind of lies at the heart of the question there. And I think we're in an, an era where that's uh, where, where a lot of companies are searching for the answers. So, in the, um, I think one thing, one one thing that certainly is not. The right, what, you know, the thing to do now is the old, old you know, school way of looking at a long-term strategy forecast and spending a year developing your five-year strategy. I mean, those those days are done. And, and what we believe the right approach is is more of a, you know, kind of an agile approach to strategy as well. I mean, it doesn't just apply to systems development. So understanding how to, you know, get a more nimble uh, uh, organization and culture in place, how to get more early experimentation in place. Uh, you know, develop the the kind of uh, guidelines on what you need to do, and then and then fail fast using kind of the internet mantra, and uh, you know an old line that we've used for years that that still applies uh, in this or applies even more I think today is this idea of, you know, of uh, think big about the possibilities and understand where you might take your business. Think about you know using my example earlier the B two B business platforms and big ideas, and start small to experiment, experiment, and get the experience, and be ready to scale fast. where you have the success is that, you know, think big start small scale fast is is more relevant today than it ever has been.
0: I spoke today, this morning, with the CIO of a major bank in Europe, and we were talking about this issue, and he made the comment that there is no longer the appetite for these long multi-year transformation, you know, let's plan out a three-year transformation project. but they've adopted as you were saying an agile approach where now everybody involved is a stakeholder is a developer and it shifts it from the mindset of defaulting to no to actually helping contribute to solve problems
1: yeah i think that's uh i think that's a, a great attitude to take and i think the i think uh you know the cios who are kind of leading this change i think are taking that type of view i i think it's a it's a tremendously Uh, challenging time to be a CIO or technology leader in a company because things are changing so fast. And if you're the CIO, you're responsible for keeping the business going, keeping the lights running, uh, as well as developing the new innovation for the business. And I think those CIOs that are taking on that kind of mindset and looking at how do they become the coach to the rest of the organization in understanding the changes in technology, educating the business and being at the forefront of the change are the CIOs who are, who are doing you know very well in this, uh, this generation of technology change. I think the the CIOs and, and organizations that are struggling are the ones that are more, uh, you know, kind of a little bit more in, in support mode and and, uh, and, and a little bit stuck. And it's not that one's good and one's bad. It's just that in this environment, um, the, the business, you know, the business is going to move so fast that needs to move our, you know, are so um, you know, or the, the uh, demand for speed is so is so great that uh, you have to, you know, as I think as a CIO or as a technology leader, I think you have to be in front, being part of the change rather than you know waiting for the, you know waiting for the change to hit you. So I think taking that kind of approach that you described from the CIO you, you worked with is is a pattern we see in success, and it's something I, I see with with our CIO Andrew Wilson, who I know you've talked about talked to on your show before. It's a great example of Andrew you know in, in our business taking a very proactive view and developing a vision on developing the best digital workplace to support Accenture and then, you know, figuring out how to, you know, get the rest of the organization there. And that, that type of mindset I think is really important.
0: Paul, on this subject, sometimes uh, one hears, talk of CIOs um, and IT, in a sense, suffering under digital transformation and the risk of IT becoming essentially a, a almost commodity supplier of infrastructure services. And yet, on the other side, there's this tremendous opportunity and set of possibilities for CIOs, innovative CIOs, digital CIOs. And so... You were you were talking about this, but can you elaborate on advice that you have for CIOs in order to take advantage of digital transformation and embody the, the qualities that you were just describing? What what can they do? What should they do?
1: Yeah, a, a number of things. I think the um, um, the uh, the first thing is is around um, you know getting getting on on the front front foot with it, and the CIO. Make you know, actively participating in the dialogue on the on the on the business change and where the business is going and how the technology enables the business change now that varies a lot in companies some co- in some companies the CIO is in, in essence the, the chief digital officer as well and is the one the organization goes to for that kind of technology insight in many other organizations you know that the, the, there might be a chief digital officer or somebody else tasked with that kind of role but regardless of the nature of the organization i in in uh degree of responsibility for the you know for, for technology and, and digital technology I think the CIO needs to make sure they have a seat at the table and are carving out that seat at the table to be to be part of the part of the change and, part, and shaping what's happening so that's that's the first part of it a second part of it is, is is what you hinted at with your earlier question from the CIO you, you, you talked to which is making sure that as a, a CIO you're adapting you know you're developing different speeds in the organization people talk about two-speed IT or multi-speed IT or whatever it might be. And I'm not a big fan of just the two-speed concept, but I think this idea of having a very fast, nimble capability in IT uh, to move at the pace of, of, of business is really critical, so that IT can be be seen as the enabler and the change agent in that you know think big, start small kind of you know kind of program. In addition to scaling fast, which is what IT's always been good about, so I think that developing that different kind of you know kind of uh, approach and mindset and different skill set around the new technologies is important. And that, that then leads to a culture and talent issue for a lot of IT organizations is if you look at what you've got in the organization across your, your in-house organization, the partners that you work with, do you have the tech, the talent in terms of the, the insight in the strategic thinking, the, the, the skills and the right technologies, the knowledge of the right cloud architectures, big data, digital architectures, etc.? to take, you know, take your organization where you need to. And most organizations are, are you know, recognize they need to go through a talent change as well as a culture change to make sure IT is operating in this this new mindset. And then the final, you know, the fourth thing I'd, I'd highlight is the need to really think about new architectures because the new world needs to look a lot different than today's world. So thinking about how you evolve the current architecture, I mean, nobody's got a clean slate in a greenfield, but you know, how do you take the current architecture you have, amplify the, you know, you know, add the APIs and, and new approaches to, to increase and improve the access to the legacy technology, uh, improve the access to all of your technology to, to other stakeholders, and think about the, the right way to embed agile, uh, agile architectures and new types of techniques into the technology you're deploying. So, those are some of the things I'd, I'd highlight, Michael.
0: We're talking with Paul Doherty who is the chief technology officer of Accenture. And if you have questions for Paul, right now there's a tweet chat going on using hashtag CXOTalk. So tweet your questions in, and we'll see whether we can get Paul Doherty to answer them. Paul, you were just talking about culture, and it seems this is a, a very important piece, and yet you're the chief technology officer, and so historically... We spoke about technology, and there was no discussion of culture. Why is culture so important in this mix today?
1: I'm just going to tweet myself a question, but that's a good one. Um, the uh, uh, it, it's important because it, it, the, the most organizations, I'd say in Accenture included, uh, need to shift their culture a bit because of the pace of change that, that's uh, that's coming from a technology perspective. It's uh, as I said earlier with strategy, the, the days of, um, of, you know, top-down dictated multi-year strategy are gone. In the same way, you know, the, um, uh, the era of very rigid fixed organization structures are gone and people need to work differently. Uh, the pace of change and in innovation is, is only going to increase. So uh, a leader, a, 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 the center of the corporation or leadership's ability to drive the change in the organization just isn't going to work. The winning companies aren't going to be able to, to win if that's what they're trying to do. So understanding how how the culture of the company changes to become more innovative and more adaptive as it goes is, is really essential. That's something we're really focused on at Accenture. We're talking about a lot within our company is an innovation-led culture. You know, again, our purpose, you know, as we've defined it, is to is to be the leader in bringing innovation into business. And to do that, uh, that's uh, what we need is an innovative culture, and innovative people at every point in our organization who are focused on that. And I think that's that's not just our company, that's uh, that's true of many, many companies, I'd argue most companies in the digital era because the pace of change is going to be so extreme, you need, you need an organization that, that, that can adapt quickly, that uh, accepts change as a new normal rather than as something you just do once in a while, and that uh, embraces and recognizes innovation, under, understands how to bring that into the business. There's a line that I, I love called, um, uh, that I heard, you know, read a number of times over the years that, that says, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I believe that's really true. We're in an era where strategy is extremely important. People need to point their companies in the new directions. Uh, but the, the thing that's really gonna you know get you, you know, to, to that strategy is having the, the culture that's aligned with the, the purpose where the people's people's purpose fits your organization's purpose and you're moving in the same direction.
0: Okay. Now, so we've been we've spoken about technology, we've spoken about culture and change. Now, would you layer on top of that the role of, uh, business model change and business models in digital transformation.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, uh, and this is something that's evolving very, very rapidly, but I think the, uh, the reality is business models are changing very rapidly, uh in, in lots of different ways. Uh, the, uh, I talked earlier about platforms and the idea of uh, platforms. We believe that, um, the, the move toward digital platforms is really a profound shift in the way business works, you know, business will work in many industries. And you've seen that happen already. So the platform started with, you know, Amazon with e-commerce platform, iTunes with the music platform, et cetera. And, uh, but if you look at the analyst forecast, or if we look at what's happening in the industries, uh, we expect uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of different industry platforms to develop. So it's things like GE's Predix platform, that they're uh, that they're using, you know, which is their technology, but then it's the businesses that they're the new way they're approaching uh, healthcare around those businesses. We just uh, had an announcement with them yesterday on something we're doing together in healthcare. Uh, if you look at what Philips is doing with HealthSuite, their uh, their their pro- platform for connecting patients, providers, and uh, and physicians. If you um, you know look at you know, many other cases like that, you see. The emergence of platforms which are changing you know the business models for GE back to them as an example uh if, if you listen to, to Jeff Immelt and Bill Rue and the you know, GE digital leadership it's about changing from product to a services model where the services are enabled and delivered through a platform and the platform what's important about the platform is it allows you to deliver services from an ecosystem of partners to deliver greater value to the to your customers and that kind of change is um is really what's going to you know define the future of many industries are it ha- happening already in lodging, you know, Airbnb and things like that, moving through many, many, many industries. So platforms are a key part of the, you know, a key part of the change. I think the other thing that changes with business models is some of the, the changes that technology brings into the way you need to think about your own business. Uh, you know, it's, it's, some of this gets into stretching the boundaries on your thinking, but if you look at um, what's going to happen to the insurance business as you have more autonomous vehicles, uh, as an example, the Volvo, the CEO of Volvo, came out recently and said, when they introduced their self-driving cars in several years, their autonomous vehicles, they're going to self-insure uh, as a way to get their um, the purchasers and, and uh, passengers for the self-driving cars more more um, more comfortable. So, what happens to insurance in in that type of world? There's many, you know, many, many other impacts where you know the 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 boundaries between the the industries blur and shift a little bit, and it causes you to rethink you know where your focus is and and how you need to compete, we, we see that happening in, in many, many cases.
0: We have an interesting question from Steve Massey on Twitter. And Steve is saying that uh, innovation and culture without the right type of underlying vision can lead to chaos. And so how can companies ensure that as this transition, as these changes are, are taking place, that they're focused, that they're coordinated, that they're going in the right direction?
1: yeah i i think that's uh, I, I completely agree and you can have uh have you know, kind of undirected uh innovation and you know very distributed culture can lead to you know it's like an explosion <laughs> with uh with a lot of collateral damage and uh and a lot of chaos as as steve says so i think that's uh that's a good point about that's why uh all this starts with a vision every you know a company needs to have a sense of where where it's going, I've told you what our what our vision is, which is different than it was several, you know, several years ago. But it's the, the vision that we have to be successful, uh, you know, to, to be successful in, in the market as we see it evolving. So I think it starts with that clear vision, so that you know, so that the organization, you know, can get aligned. But then the the change to the you know, the organization, the culture, and creating more of an innovation mechanism are is going to be very important for most companies in dealing with that new. That that uh, that new vision that they're setting. So I guess that's how I'd, I'd address it. It's a good question. Absolutely right. You need the you need the the driving vision to align things, but then you need you know more flexible mechanism through the company to develop it.
0: So you mentioned innovation. You've spoken about innovation as one of one of the important pillars at Accenture. So how do you innovate? And and also, what is your relationship to startups and? smaller organizations who may be developing interesting new technologies?
1: Yeah, and that's a, a very, very rich question there, so I'll give you a few perspectives and uh, not make it too long. You know, the way I think about it, so if you look, think about our business, so you, you said it earlier, 30-some 30, 30 billion in revenue, uh, we have uh, approaching 400,000 people, um, in, uh, and 40% of our business is in digital technology. Okay, those sound like, sound like interesting numbers, but you look at the other side of that, what does that mean? Every year. That means every year we have to add three billion of revenue, uh, profitable revenue. We don't have the, the luxury of a uh, some startups that can you know be unprofitable you know, generate uh, growth unprofitably. So in, in essence, we have to add a hundred thousand people with every year, which is what we hire every year, with new skills that generate profitable growth equivalent to three unicorns of revenue uh, in technology generally that didn't exist four or five years ago. That's defined by this rotation to the new. So. That's the way I view our, uh, it, the need for innovation in our business. Create a few unicorns a year, and add it on in a profitable way to our business as we really transition and continue to grow our workforce. So that's 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 the that's the way we we see the business. And to make that happen, uh, we need to have a lot of different you know innovation mechanisms in our business. And it's also changing our view. I, I would argue, 10 years ago, it was fine to be a fast follower in technology because the cycles move slower. If you're a little late at client server technology or the global ERP wave, you can catch up a few years late and still catch the catch the uh, the meat of the curve, you know, the meat of the transition. The technology moves so fast today that if you're not uh, if you're not at the forefront with the important technologies, you'll miss a key part of the positioning and growth. Or you know, in our industry, you certainly will. As an example, blockchain two years ago wouldn't have been singled out by many people as an important technology for us to focus on. In just two years, it's been important for us to have a blockchain practice. We've invested in a couple of blockchain startups to work with them more closely to drive the change. And uh, we've got blockchain R&D going on, and we've got blockchain work going on with with, with clients across uh, different industry groups, not just in financial services and in many different areas of financial services. That's a, that's just in a couple of years, and that's the type of um, speed with which the technology is moving. And it's moving that fast artificial intelligence with um, uh, with um, you know, many, many other technologies. So to, so your, back to your questions, how do we make that work? So we, we have something we call our, our innovation path, which is how we make innovation work. It starts with research. We have Accenture Research, which generates uh, which generates thought leadership and provocative you know, points of view and such on trends, the game-changing trends, uh, like our technology vision. That's Accenture Research. Then we have Accenture Labs, which is a major R&D investment in seven labs that we have around the world with uh, researchers and PhDs. Who are, getting, who are driving hands-on applied research with those trends you know in those technologies that we have the hands-on experience to drive those as they take off then we have Accenture uh, ventures which is where we invest we, we both reach out and work with startups and VCS and entrepreneurs to build that innovation network through an open innovation approach that we run and then we take investments in companies where we believe we can create kind of a special relationship and uh, and create a you know create a uh, uh, a good way to grow their business and our business, you know together going forward. And then we have something we call Accenture Studios, which is where we bring our clients to ideate and co-innovate together in a in an environment that it, it combines everything everything from design thinking through experiential hands-on technology to new development techniques techniques like extreme programming and. And uh, and uh, agile development and such, you can quickly ideate and build solutions, and then and then we scale that into our delivery, our global delivery network, and and all the businesses of Accenture. So that's the so we're investing increasingly in that. If you look at our our business, we're again 30 billion in revenue. Uh, we're you know we we invest about three billion a year in improving our capability, about 10% of our revenue. Uh, that's a uh, it's about a billion in uh, internal investment, about a billion in acquisitions, and about a billion in in uh, people in uh, People in training, and that's for a company of our size in our industry. That's that's a lot of investments, you know, to make. But we believe that's what's required to you know keep moving the organization at pace. And uh, I can come back around to this, but just to round out one point, I mentioned acquisitions. We've acquired over forty companies in the last thirty-six months, and that you know, bringing in that new capability to accelerate this you know kind of rotation is a key part of the strategy as well.
0: From an innovation standpoint, one thing that I find is quite interesting at Accenture, recently I spoke with Mary Hamilton, who works at Accenture Labs, and she was talking about things such as virtual reality, augmented reality, 3D printing, uh, workforce crowdsourcing, a whole bunch of new technologies and new ideas. But as she was talking about it, it wasn't just abstract pie in the sky, it was always connected to very specific use cases with enterprise ROI. And so maybe can you describe the linkage between, when you're, so when you're thinking about innovation and the connection to ROI and use cases, maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's what gets us really excited. You can get anybody at Accenture excited when you talk about the you know, combination of innovation and, and business value. And that's exactly the way we look at it. Even starting with you know that innovation path, even starting at the research stage, we're looking at what's the what's the potential. So when we started working with drones a number of years ago, it was what are the applications? And we we started working with uh, uh, oil, uh, oil and gas companies around pipeline inspections using drones. We just deployed uh, an application using drones for a, a very very large uh, agricultural producer in uh, in Asia. To use drones to uh, to dramatically improve their their agricultural productivity, et cetera. So, so that we're looking for those combinations of, of the technology and the use case with virtual reality. You know, great example of uh, one of the really uh, exciting things uh, that we did there in the last year was work with a manufacturer to apply augmented reality to manufacturing settings. So, uh, so an assembly worker using augmented reality with laser guided precision and machine intelligence, machine learning built in to the software. Could operate at a far more skilled level using augmented technology and, and make that person a better worker, a safer worker, a more productive worker, better quality products—a win-win-win for the worker, you know, and, and for the company. And that those kind of scenarios are what, what get us excited. And when we, you know, and it goes across many domains. So we're working, uh, uh, doing a lot of work now on artificial intelligence, which we believe is 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 going to be, uh, you know, probably the, the define the next big wave of, of innovation around digital and what's happening and artificial intelligence, we believe, is going to have a massive impact and maybe one of the biggest impacts uh, that we've seen in how we how we work uh, among all the technologies to date. And uh, that's why we're, we're, you know, working early with technologies uh, like IPsoft's Emilia that we we announced a relationship earlier this week and we announced the creation of a Emilia practice to take the virtual, the, the, the deep learning, uh, you know, cognitive learning uh, agent Emilia. And apply it into you know business scenarios. So we we one of the things we did this week at the Sapphire conference, where I think you might have been, Michael, is uh, we demoed Amelia using SAP and learning how to use SAP to perform business processes and transactions in a very compelling way, and thereby uh, either offload or augment the work that uh, that people were doing. And uh, uh, so that's an you know, example of you know, tying directly to the value there. So we're we're obsessed with this idea of. Of, you know, looking at the technology and saying, "Okay, how do, how can we generate some return with that technology?"
0: So you're not. So obviously, you're not focused on pure R and D. Your focus is on the application of new technologies to business in order to provide some specific, measurable, concrete value to that business.
1: I, I'd, yeah, I'd say that's true. But I, we're we're pushing one of the the one of the directions we're pushing is we're we're pushing and stretching out the boundary of our of our R&D a little further and the line is blurring between you know pure research and applied research the example I'll give you is is uh we're doing work in quantum computing right now we're not doing quantum computing hardware but we're very, very interested in quantum computing software and we submitted you know submitted one of our first quantum computing uh problems to, you know, to, to be solved uh, recently and uh why would we be doing that I mean we would have looked at it a few years ago and said why wouldn't Accenture be doing that the reason is that we believe there's a high probability that there's that there's a narrow range of problems that, that will be solved in a very compelling way in the a, in a, in a very short term using quantum computing. And thereby, uh, we want to be the leader in bringing that technology to our clients, so we need to get a little bit earlier on the innov- innovation and research funnel than we normally would. So, so your point is generally true, although uh, with the pace at which technology is moving, every technology coming into business quicker, we need to – push a little bit more into research. And the, the phrase I use is the latency between innovation and market impact is shrinking like it's never shrunk before. And that means that um, that if you don't have the ability to, to sense and pick up on these, on these early stage innovations, as I said earlier, the fast follower isn't good enough in many cases, you may miss the, the opportunity.
0: And so what does this mean for managers of established companies, and sometimes we hear the phrase, legacy companies it's not a very nice phrase uh, what is that what does this mean for for established businesses who are running an existing business have an existing model and yet it's not enough to be a, a fast follower what are the implications for them
1: yeah that's uh, it's something we spend a lot of a lot of time on and it's it's a hard question it's a really tough question but because everybody's got you know people have a business to run if, you, if you're a public company you have Shareholders, you have quarterly earnings you need to you need to move the business along as you invent the, the new business uh, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, pressures along the way I, I was with the, the top leadership of a fortune 100 company this week talked about this very issue and the, the kind of dialogue we had is, is I think the, the way you need to think about it which is what are the assets that you have I mean every every company's got great assets and I wouldn't call them legacy companies That you know they're, they're the incumbent leading companies of today and the question is, what assets are going to hold you back and may become, you know, the, uh, the boat anchors? And what assets can uh, are going to be assets that you leverage into the new world? And when you look at our, uh, our technology vision and the things we talk about that are important in the digital world, you talk about things like these platform economies, which involve, you know, building these, these complex ecosystems. If you look at the idea of digital trust, which is the trust you engender with your customers, uh, if you look at this idea of intelligent automation and really understanding deeply how business processes and people work and how information flows, a lot of the, the, the incoming companies are very good at a lot of those things in addition to having scale, supply chains, value chains, customer relationships, etc. And I think the art of this is to look at uh, what's uh, how do you take the right uh, assets you have and look at how to repurpose those in the digital context moving forward moving forward and create that future and not do it too fast. If you do that too fast, you kill the old business and lose the ability to invest in the new. Uh, if you do it too slow, you, you get overtaken. So I think that issue of balance and pace is right. And don't look at necessarily changing the whole business. It's one of the key things you need to get right to you know to be you know, successful in transition business.
0: We hear a lot about startups like Uber and Airbnb, although I wonder at some point when, I, when a startup is valued at so many billions of dollars. At what point is it no longer a startup, and it's a global? And it's a global. <laughs> when you're, 80, when you're valued at
1: eighty billion then. <laughs> uh,
0: but so so we hear we hear that these companies are the ones to emulate. But for established companies, as you said, with scale, with very successful products, with supply chains and so forth, you can't just magically turn a switch and become an Uber. Yeah.
1: No, you can, and that's why. The other thing, the other mistake I think some companies make is trying to be an Uber. (laughs) Uh, I'm a big believer in the Sun Tzu art of war, which is don't don't you know don't take your enemy you know don't hit your enemy on the front lines. Figure out how you uh, how do you attack from a different angle and do something different. And I think too many I look you know too many discussions where we we get called in by the senior leadership of an organization. They say you know tell me how I can be the next um, Amazon or whatever it might be, or the next Uber, next next Airbnb, or the next Google. And the you know the, uh, the problem is the question is wrong. Uh, you don't want to be the next. You might want to emulate their success. You might want to emulate their speed. You might want to emulate their culture. But what's the right strategy for for your organization that that will be successful in an environment where you have companies like that and more that more unicorns coming all the time that will be successful, and uh, and look at it in that in that way. So again, I think it comes back to in that case a kind of a, a strategy issue of you, you need the attributes. Of these leading digital companies, and I think every organization does need to develop those attributes because that will be a prerequisite to success but um, it's not it 's not emulating their their strategy it 's coming up with the, the strategy that fits the you know the, the market position and the, the assets that uh, you know, the other companies bring in, you know, bring to the table
0: so so having a clear sense of what their own strengths their own assets are and but that also ne- implies. They have a clear sense of their own trajectory, and is, isn't that the hard part going into the future, knowing what to do?
1: Yeah, well, I think I, I think that you need, it's and it's not there's no easy cookbook or answer to it. But you also, you need to look at what you know what's going to be good in, in you know, differentiating and valuable going forward, and what's not. You know, what's what's going to go away and, and not be differentiating. If you believe, you know, blockchain is going to be an architecture which uh, which uh, you know kind of transforms the way a lot of uh, transactions works and el- eliminates. Um, intermediary organizations in a lot of cases, which I believe it will then if you're, if you're dependent on those or have a part of your business dependent on that, then you need to rethink you know the business model make sure that that you either you either embrace and become a leader in deploying the, the blockchain enabled architecture or you move away from that and, and identify a different way to provide value um, you know in the marketplace and so I, th- I think I think you need, it's, it's all about I think looking at you know what you what you don't, what you can't do, or don't want to do, and what's threatened, and what you what you can do, and then you know, make you know navigating the course as best you can, and again revisiting it continuously because you know because the environment's changing fast.
0: Paul, we only have about a few minutes left, but we haven't spoken much about changes in talent and workforce capabilities, and what what are the implications on workforce when digital transformation starts to take hold inside a company
1: yeah it's a that's a, a massive topic and i think it's um really yeah you know, really interesting something we think about a lot with the you know number of employees we have and we really believe and are convinced that this liquid workforce idea is gonna it's gonna be it is the right way to build a, a workforce in the future and the liquid workforce looks much different than today's workforce uh in many ways you know one of the things that we uh we did recently that attracted a lot of attention is our uh our uh, CEO and our uh, chief human resources officer, Ellen Shook announced the elimination of annual performance reviews in the traditional fashion and a move to something called performance achievement because we believe people need to be coached and managed to be successful in a very different way in the digital economy than they were in the industrial c- economy. And so we're moving away from the old way of doing things to a new way of doing things that I think is critical. So that's one example. I think that the constitution of the workforce is different. Uh, the, the surveys would tell you that in the U.S., Uh, Up to 50% of the workforce will be contingent in contract labor within a few years. What that means is that the people you want, the expertise you want, may not work for you as employees. They they may not want to work for you as employees. So understanding how to use models like uh, crowdsourcing or cloud talent models uh, may be critical to you. And I'd argue for most companies there's going to be something you do that's where you're going to need that kind of different crowd capability going forward. For us, uh, we're looking at that in many ways. We look at processes like testing. Uh, you know, we test the you know, the testing business where you test big systems for clients. That's going to be automated. That's going to be crowdsourced. That's going to look very differently in a very short period of time. Which is why we're, you know, doing a lot of work around uh, you know crowdsourced you know, innovation and how we uh, leverage that and develop that within within our business. The crowd. So this different way of managing employees, different mechanisms like uh, to take advantage of how you get skill in the marketplace, like cloud and crowd models. Are critical, and then I think the other thing that 's key with the millennial and Gen, Gen Z populations that are coming in to the workforce very rapidly is providing a digital workplace that allows them to excel and if, if you know, what I hear time and time again from employees of a lot of companies is they come in, you know their employees come in and are frustrated that their technology at work you know is so awful compared to their the technology they use in their personal lives and we need to close that gap as you know as, a, as technology leaders to make sure that that people have the best technology to enable in the, for the digital generation coming into the workplace, we're allowing them to, to be as effective as possible. And those organizations that have the infrastructure and digital workplace allow that to happen are going to have an advantage going forward.
0: Well, I've just been informed that Cxo Talk is trending number forty six in the U.S. So thank you everybody to for uh, for watching. We have just a minute or two left, and so. Paul Doherty, you're the CTO of Accenture, one of the largest professional services companies in the world, one of the largest companies in the world. When you think about digital transformation, what, is, what advice, what is the distilled essence of your advice that you can boil down to offer to people who are listening, who are facing this, this very difficult, challenging transition environment? Yeah, I'd, I'd,
1: I'd, I'd end on three things. Uh, I can pull it down to three messages. The first is learn. Uh, we're in an era where if you're not learning every day, uh, I think it's it, you're gonna you know, you're gonna find yourself in a tough spot. So as individuals and as leaders, we need to learn every day. I, I wake up every morning and uh, first thing I look at is what happened last night, what happened overnight, what new tech innovation, new new announcement is happening because it's moving that fast, and, and we need to figure out how to continually reinvent ourselves. So learning is the first thing. Second thing is, um, you know, imagination. Think, you know, we got to think differently. Uh, just because something didn't work yesterday doesn't mean it won't work tomorrow because we have new ways of doing things. The imagination becomes more important as an attribute in, in individuals and in organizations. And then the third thing I'd, I'd, I'd say is uh, a phrase I've been using that, that I heard a little while ago that I like called hack the future. We could all hack the future and, and make the future, bring the future to the present in, in very different ways, uh, the technology is very accessible. You can go out there uh, hands-on. Anybody can go out, go out and be an Amazon Turk or, or uh, innovate using technology. And understanding how you can bring you know, hack the future, bring the, the future to the present, uh, is is within our grasp and something we all need to think about.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. We have been talking with Paul Doherty, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Accenture. And you have been watching episode number 172 of CXO Talk. Paul Doherty, thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: It was a pleasure. Thanks, Michael.
0: And everybody, next week is Memorial Day in the US, so we won't be here, but we'll be back the following week. And please join us again. Thanks so much. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>